0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew chapter 11. I want to say hello to all of you who are with us for the first time at One Cause Church. We are so glad you're here today and uh, you are an answer to our prayer. We thank you for being here and we hope that this experience here is one that blesses you, encourages you, inspires you, and lifts you up. Uh, because that's what we're here to do is to build people's lives because that's what the church is. Amen? It's made up of people. It's, I, I, I have a, a great honor to do what I do, to pastor, to lead people, and um, it's, a, it's a solemn duty and it's a, it's a great responsibility, and I, I thank God for it. I thank God that he called me to do this and uh, that I get to be with you every week and teach you the word and see your lives growing in his grace. Amen. Have you found Matthew chapter 11? Good, thank you. (laughs) Verse 28. Before we read, um, I want to just kind of give you a little recap of what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And we've been talking about the promises of God, uh, what God has said, and why it is important that we know what he has promised. And why is it important that we have his promises in operation in our life? Because for one thing, God paid a great price by giving us his son to secure all of his promises for us. Jesus was the number one promise, that he would come and redeem us from our sins, that he would come and deliver us from the curse of sin and death and that he would bring us into right relationship with God. And he promised us the Holy Spirit who would be with us, uh, always with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us, who would always teach us the truth and always guide us and teach us all things. I mean, it's it's amazing. And then all these wonderful things that he brought along with him, Jesus brought benefits in this great covenant, healing. And we talked about healing. We talked about um, uh, the peace of God, that we have a continual, perpetual peace with God by virtue of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about how God, Jesus, became poor that we would become rich. And it is God's will that we prosper and that we be in health even as our soul prospers. I mean, Jesus just made such a great way for us to bless our lives and to show us how good our Heavenly Father is and how much He loves us. I mean, if he'll give you Jesus, the scripture basically says in Romans 8, 32, if he'll give you Jesus, he'll give you anything. Amen. There's nothing he'll hold back. If he'll give you a son, you get everything God has for you. Amen. Amen. And today I want to talk about the rest that God gives to us. I will, he said, I will give you rest. And we see it here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That just means overburdened or weary and I will give you rest. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is such a great passage of Scripture. Now watch, verse 30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, one of the things that saddens me in the church is that Christians... Forget about that right there. Yeah. Children of God, forget that Jesus' yoke is easy yeah. and his burden is light. So your relationship with God should be easy. That's right. Now, because we already have enough difficulty in the world, you don't need difficulty in your relationship with him, yeah. right? Yeah. He's not the one that's making that difficult. He says it's easy and it's light. Yeah. It's beautiful. See, God so much loves us. He so loves us and so... Longs to commune with us and to have continual fellowship with us. Just as he, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, this Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one and they continually flow in this unbroken fellowship and unbroken communion. Jesus said in John chapter 17, make them one like we're one. Let there be this continual flow of love and communion with one another. And so he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, when we we live our lives in this thing called rest, you know, Hebrews chapter 4 speaks about this thing called rest that God offers us. He says, there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest. It's not talking about uh, going to heaven. Yeah, that's ultimate rest, right? But but there's a rest right now that you can live in on this earth with all the trouble that's out there and all the turmoil that's in this world, all the pain and all the, the challenges that we face. There is a rest for the people of God to experience. And this is something that God has promised us. He he started this from the very beginning, that he rested on the seventh day, and he he invites us to enter into that rest. Amen. To cease from our own labors and our own works and our own struggles and to just simply rest in him. Matter of fact, another verse in, in Hebrews 8 says, Let us labor to enter that rest. Think about that. Labor to rest. Let us labor to rest, because you're going to find that you have to labor to do that. You're going to have to keep your mind wrapped around it and and, and understand that God is the one who's in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is that very present help, and you're going to have to strive to not try to go in your own strength, to try to to buy into the world's philosophy, to try to be sucked in by how you feel about it, but that you are resolute concerning the word of God and his truth and his promise to you and concerning you. So you have to labor in that way, that is, remind yourself, hey, 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 this ain't all about you, buddy. This is about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. And he gives you the power, the grace, the peace, the joy. He supplies your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Rest. Everybody say it. Rest. This place called rest. See, being in the rest of God, it moves our lives from demand to desire. It's not of the law, it's of love. It's not about responsibility, it's about relationship. Amen. So how we see God is really everything to us. It's important that you know him and you know about him because it's going to affect what you say, what you do, and how you think. How you see yourself, how you see others, and how you deal with situations in your life. I don't know about you, but I I think I'm in good company here today that when I was growing up in church, that the idea was that God's primary interest in matters was right and wrong. Amen. That We've been taught that God's fundamental focus is, well, once we're saved, now he's going to teach us how to do the right thing. And that's, that's something that I, I, I remember, for lack of a better term, being beat up with, with works, right? Do, 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 yeah. right? Don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. Right, and, and we look at the scriptures many times like, like we look at God, like through this skewed, tainted, blurred lens, right? This man-made lens that we try to understand him through. And you're never going to understand God in your own effort. You're going to have to believe what he says. And what he says about you, what he says about himself. This all started way back in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they began to view God through that lens of guilt and shame. Right? But when you became a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, it wasn't automatic that that lens just went away for you. You've had to live this life of renewal. Right? That's what the scripture teaches us. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because we look into this word, we look at God's word continually, and it helps us know what truth really is and get the right perspective on life and God and us and and the things around us. And, And we have to continually get our minds right about it verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what this teaches us is our God is, he's not a punitive, judgmental, exacting God who is, who's, who's looking down on us saying, when are you going to stop doing wrong and start doing right? You know the truth is? We've all kind of felt that way about God, haven't we? Huh? We've all kind of felt that about him because, you know, Either we missed the mark, we sinned, or we made a mistake, or we hadn't talked to him in a while, or we hadn't read our Bible enough, or whatever rules we like to put on ourselves, yeah. right? See, the truth is, if, for God to, to just be in that realm of right and wrong would really go against, it would be a violation of what he told Adam and Eve in the beginning in the garden. As a matter of fact, he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that tree. Or you're just measured by right and wrong. Yeah. But they did eat it. They did eat of that tree. And then everything became about morality. Everything became about right and wrong. Man lifted up that filtered, clouded, dirty lens and began to look at God through that. See, sin didn't change God. Sin changed man. Man. See, God came looking for Adam in the garden, even after he had sinned, continued to do what he did. And it was Adam, it wasn't God that stopped talking to Adam or didn't know how to talk to Adam anymore. He talked to him like he always had. It was Adam that forgot how to talk to God. He's, the first words out of his mouth were, I was afraid. He didn't know how to talk to God anymore. Sin changed him. And God is not he never has been, and he is never going to be preoccupied with issues of right and wrong. Amen. God is preoccupied with you. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. And you can look at the scriptures through that lens and see commands, demands, reprimands. And there are commands. Thank God we don't live under the law. Amen. That law was crucified there with Christ. The Bible says that he took the handwriting of requirements out of the way, nailing Amen. it to his cross. But God does have commands for us. But here's the thing. Don't forget. Say this with me. His yoke is easy. His, is easy. his, burden, is his burden is light. If I'm gone out of town for a few days, I come home to my family I spent some time loving all my children. I walk in the door and Heather's standing back there waiting. And she says to me, get over here and kiss me. That is one command. I am happy to oblige. I am happy to obey. I would say that that is not burdensome. <laughs> right? Put up First John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Watch this. And his commandments are not burdensome. No. His yoke is easy. His burden is not. Why? Because here's what God has done for us. This is what the rest of God looks like. It's not about demand. He motivates us. He gives us a new motivation from demand or duty to desire. Happy to live for God happy to do it. Not because I have to, because I want to. I cannot get over what Jesus has done for me. That amazing grace that he so abundantly poured out his own blood that he poured out of his own body, his body that was broken for me. How could I not want to live for him and to show him my gratitude and my love back? Scripture says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. He came looking for us, and we weren't looking for Him. Matter of fact, we didn't want anything to do with Him. But He pursued us anyway. He loved us anyway. God demonstrated His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we enter into that rest that God gives us, it changes everything concerning our relationship with Him. And you know what? Once you really understand And know that you've been fully accepted by your Father in heaven, then you'll see life is not a test, but rather life is a rest. Amen. It's called the gospel. Will anybody know what the gospel gospel means? Say it loud. Good Good news. Good news. The gospel is good news. Good news. Good news. When was the last time you heard some good news? Good news. I love that. It's good news. Especially compared to everything else. But in and of itself, it is simply good news that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again three days later. Whoever believes in him will receive everlasting life. Wow. Wow. Now, if it sounds too good to be true, there's a good chance that it's the gospel. Uh (laughs) Amen. Amen. The only right response to this good news is to believe it. Man, I tell you what. That religion hates that kind of talk. Man, it hates that. Because we got to do something, don't we? We got to do something. I mean, it was years and years ago that Betty Crocker came out with this cake mix, right? And they had one simple instruction. They wanted to simplify it for the wife or the man, whoever was doing the cooking, all right? One, they only had one step just Add water. And they thought this product would come flying off the shelves, but it didn't. Matter of fact, they started getting letters and stuff saying, "Uh, something's not right here. It cannot be that simple to just add water. They wouldn't believe it. And so you know what Betty Crocker did? They said, add water and an egg right? But that's what, that's what people do, Uh right? Really? Believe on Jesus. That's it. It can't be that simple. God can't be that good. The gospel can't be that real. I mean, it can't be that wonderful. I've got to be, I've got to do something here, right? I mean, I need to, I need to be baptized or, or kneel on my knees for 10 days or, Go to church regularly. You should go to church regularly. But, but not for that. Yeah, not, not to receive this free gift of salvation. Because right. you couldn't do it. On your best day, you couldn't measure up. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't do enough good things to even measure up, to even count. You just had to completely fall on his grace and say, okay, I surrender Jesus. I need you. I, you're everything. You're the only way to God. Yeah. And I accept that. That's what the gospel presents to us. All you have to do is believe it. I've done all Amen. the work for you, I've made the way for you. I offer peace, I offer everlasting life. All you have to do is believe it. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. This message that saves men's lives a simple message about a God who would not leave us in our turmoil and our darkness and our sin. Chose to come and rescue us and to redeem us and to give us new life. I will have to admit, as a preacher, sometimes I would sure like to hand you a few more rules. It's tempting, it's tempting, but it's not truthful, it's not right. How could I ever add to what God's done? See, all we do now as the children of God is live out of this overflow of that fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, you know why? You know why that's important that we understand that? Because the scripture says in Romans chapter 14 that whatever is not from faith is sin. You know, you can do the right thing and still be in sin. So it's not about doing the right thing. As a matter of fact, let's take our Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter 10 for a moment. Acts chapter 10. Is this helping you so far? All right, now watch. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He's a soldier. Verse 2. A devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people... And prayed to God always. Now, I want you to notice four things it says about this man, all right, this this Roman centurion. Number one, he's a devout man. Is that good? He is, he fears God with all of his house. Is that a good thing? He gives generously to poor people. Is that a good thing to do? And he prays to God always. Is that good? But guess what? The scripture teaches us that the man's not saved. He's got all these wonderful things about his life. I mean, he's living right. And guess what? He still still cannot measure up to what it takes to have heaven as his home. Do all these wonderful things and still go to eternal destruction. Why? Because man cannot conjure up, cannot work up righteousness enough. We have to accept his righteousness, his work. See, it's not enough for you to just do the right thing. Plenty of people are doing the right thing and are lost as a goose. Plenty of people. And they're hoping, they're banking, they're gambling on this, hopefully it'll all work out in the end kind of thing, right? Surely God will see that I'm not that bad of a person, right? I, didn't, I don't kill nobody, I don't intentionally injure people. I mean, I'm a good person. I I mean, God why would God wouldn't do that? I mean, he would he would see that the good outweighs the bad. In 2011, when the Dallas Mavericks were making their way to the championship, that's getting further and further away from us. Before they were crowned the NBA champions, they had to take on the hang on <coughs> Los Angeles Lakers. In the playoffs, right? (laughs) To me, that was the greatest part of the entire experience, watching them sweep the Lakers four games to nothing. That was just, ah, yes. In your face, Kobe Bryant. (laughs) He, Kobe, in a game, took a three-point shot. Now, this guy's got an amazing shot. He is an amazing basketball player. He's just a punk. But he, he made this shot. I mean, the, it was high arcing. I love those high arcing shots. Ball spinning backward. Whoosh, just rips through the net. And them Laker fans went nuts. And then all of a sudden, right behind it, you hear the whistle blow and the ref saying, No good. No basket. What the heck? Well, one problem his heel was on the out of bounds line. Look good. Look like every other shot that would count. And by all accounts, it should have been worth three points. But his foot was out of bounds. This is what religion will continually do for you. Boy, it'll make you look good. Boy, you can make yourself look so right. But ladies and gentlemen, anything outside of Christ is out of bounds. It does not count. I don't care how good you look. I don't care how right you think you are. You are not right compared to the living God. Jesus Christ is the only one that can make you right with God. And you're going to have to come to the place in your life where you say, I believe that. I receive what Jesus did for me. Don't go out of bounds. Make it count. Make your life count for something. Make all those good things mean something. And they'll all make sense in Christ. See, we're capable of more than just doing right. We're capable of living righteously. We're we're more capable than just living morally. We're capable of living miraculously. It has to you have to stop the struggle. This angst, this anxiety concerning you and God. And God offers this rest. He's not anxious about it, He's not worried about it. He's provided you everything you need to have this rest, this continual rest in Him, no matter what you face in this world. I went and saw a man some time ago at the hospital who'd come out of surgery and was on a breathing machine. When he came, when he was in recovery and he woke up, he panicked. And he started trying, to, started trying to breathe, not realizing that the machine was doing that very thing for him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here had to be on the breathing machine before? right? And if you try to breathe, then you work actually against the machine that's doing it for you. And these alarms will go off and right. So this nurse comes in and she tells him, she's just telling, it's going to be okay. Just calm down. Just all you have to do is lay there. don't, don't struggle. The machine will do the breathing for you. And he finally did. But he told me later on, he said, that was so difficult for me because it was so natural for me to do that on my own. But I realized once I finally got calm and let my mind calm down, then I was okay. It's interesting to me that the Scripture, when it talks about the Spirit of God, the Greek word is pneuma, or the breath of God. See, it's not natural for us to just let God be who he is through us. It's not natural for us to let God help us, to let him into our lives and to, to seek him and to follow his way. And to open. It's just not natural because we want to get our hands on the reins. We want to put our hands on the steering wheel. We want control of that thing. And so whenever we release our lives to him, we allow his, his spirit to breathe through us. Then We freak out. We get all crazy about it. Instead of letting God be God. When you step into that rest, you say, Spirit of God, you do what you want to do. You breathe through me. You do the breathing. You do the work. I'm simply yielding to you, and I'm going to lay here and rest. Rest in him. That's the moment you really start doing things for God. Because you're really not called to do things for God. He didn't leave you at that low position. He didn't leave you at that low position. He said, no, come up here with me, not for me. I'm for you. You come up here with me. and We'll do this together, side by side. We're seated with him, the scripture teaches, in heavenly places. We're right there beside him in the spirit. He loves you because he loves Jesus. Yeah. Amen. He loves you because he loves Jesus. So what do we do? We rest. Labor to rest. You see what I mean? You're just going to have to be vigilant to keep yourself surrendered to him and his grace to flow through you. Amen. Amen. You know what? I want, let's just for a moment, every head bowed and every eye closed for the, for just a moment. There are some of you, who are here today, right now in this moment, and God is dealing with you. He's talking to you, and you know He is. You're struggling, you're fighting. You've got this continual uneasiness going on inside of you. <laughs> Let all that go today. Just let him love you. Let him come into your life. Let him show you what life can really be. Some of you here need to make a decision, and that decision is this, that you're no longer going to depend on yourself, but you're going to put your life in God's hands by simply believing that Jesus died for your sins and accepting that accepting that he did that for you don't worry about how you feel about it that's the truth god loves you and sin has a price and that price is death it's separation from god but jesus did that for you he became separated from god for you he was forsaken he hung up on a cross And died for your sins. So that you don't have to pay the price for them. And he went to a tomb. They laid him in a tomb. But three days later, he came out of that tomb alive and well. You're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I don't know God. I've been going my own way. Today I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want to take that easy life that he offers me. I want to know that when this life is over that I have a secure place in heaven with him. If that's you, just between me and you and God, if you would just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Just acknowledge, just that acknowledgement, just simply raising your hand, saying, that's me, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to know him today. Anyone here today? Now, some of you are here today, and you've, as a child of God, have just been struggling. You've been struggling because of certain faults or failures on your part. And you've allowed yourself to believe that you've got to just make up for it by what you do (laughs) rather than just resting in his grace, just resting in his ability, his forgiveness. He has forgiven you. It's not about waiting for him to forgive you. He already has. He loves you. Today, you need to make the decision to just rest. Can I see your hands here, please, today? Amen. Uh, You're not alone. Several hands up here today. Father, bless these today. Bless them. Thank you for your grace and peace to be multiplied to them. That when they leave this place, they leave the struggle behind. They leave the worries behind. They leave the condemnation and the guilt behind. And they walk out of here free, resting in you, God. God, I pray for everyone here today that this will be a holiday time of thanksgiving and rest. Bless these families, God. Bless these gatherings in all of these houses across the nation, God. Bless them, Lord. Those who are traveling, I thank you that you're with them, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. That'd be a blessed time, God, of thanksgiving and fellowship and family and fun and food, God, and football. Thank you, God, for blessing them. That time would be a time of joy. Lord, there are families here that are coming together. Where there, are, where there are some tough situations, God. their are families going to be coming together, God, where there is, there's distance between them and it's on purpose. And Father, I pray that there would be healing. There would be restoring, God. There would be a, the love of God abounding here in the name of Jesus. And that this people here will do what you said in your word. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the rest that you give us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Hope it's a great one. Let's go out of here with a shout today. Father, now thank you that you bless your people as they leave here today. Your blessing is upon them. They are blessed and they will be a blessing. Thank you that Christ became a curse and we became blessed. He became the son of man and we became sons of God. He became wounded. We became healed. He became poor. We became rich. He became sin, and we became the righteousness of God in Christ. And we thank you that as we go from here today, God, that you lead your people. You lead your people to victory, Lord. You always give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless them, God. May this be a week of rest and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to OneCauseChurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at OneCause Church.